The origins of the creation of the iconic Porsche logo are not really agreed upon with Germans and Americans offering different opinions. But one thing is for certain, the Porsche logo with its rearing black stallion, red and black stripes, stag horns, and Porsche boldly arced across the top is one of the most recognizable car emblems in the world. This is the story of how it happened. Maybe. Welcome to Porsche and the Never Substituted Podcast. My name is Will Veach, and like a lot of you out there, I've been fascinated with Porsche since I was a little boy. My first, and by first I mean toy, Porsche that I owned was in 1980 at the age of eight that I received for my birthday. That day was memorable for me as I had just been getting over a case of pneumonia and I received a glorious remote control race car. Like a lot of you, I had those famous Porsche posters of the 80s hanging on my walls of my bedroom during my teenage years. One of my teachers in high school actually had a red 944 that she let me drive. The cars became an obsession for me. I didn't own my first Porsche, though, until 1998, and it was a 1972 914. Since that time, I've owned several more Porsches, and I'm more excited about them now than I was even back in 1980. So if you haven't had the opportunity to drive one, find a way to do it. You will never look at driving the same way again, but of course, I'm biased, and you can't convince me otherwise. In this weekly podcast, we will be discussing the history, racing, models, and pretty much everything in between regarding Porsches. How much is there to say about a car brand? Well, a lot, actually. Carl Ludvigsen has written the gold standard of the history of all things Porsche in his incredible four-book series, Porsche, Excellence Was Expected, and it is a 2,800-page, lose-yourself-in-fascinating-facts behemoth. That should tell you that there is plenty to say on this subject. So where do we begin? Well, I suppose we could start at the beginning, but I think we will start with something as simple as the emblem, or the badge to be a bit more concise. You would think that having the famous Porsche crest would have been something at the very beginning, but actually it wasn't. In fact, it wasn't until the 1953 model year that the famous Porsche crest was first implemented. How that became to be is a bit obscure, according to some. European automakers such as BMW, Mercedes-Benz, and Ferrari, just to name a few, used a distinctive badge not to only show what their cars represent, but also to aid in various marketing efforts. Domestic manufacturers such as Cadillac used a crest to showcase their distinctive style. Meanwhile, Porsche relied on the Porsche name and lettering for their branding. It wasn't really a priority until one Max Hoffman, who not coincidentally was instrumental in bringing Porsche to the United States, he made the suggestion, all cars of some standing in the world have a crest, an emblem. Why not Porsche too? Let's take a second and talk about Hoffman. We will actually be having an entire episode devoted to the importance of Hoffman to the export of Porsches to the United States, but for now, let's just say that his influence was powerful among the automaker. He once famously said, I was not 100% for Porsches, I was 1000% for Porsches. So it's unsurprising that when Hoffman made this suggestion for an emblem, Porsche listened. The emblem could be used for marketing as well as for things such as lapel pins. This is where things just get a little bit murky. 
There's a famous story about Max Hoffman and Ferry Portia dining together when the subject of the emblem came up. Ferry said, like many other kids, I like to sketch coats of arms when, you know, I got to stop there. I don't know how many other kids like to sketch coats of arms, but whatever. Ferry said, like many other kids, I like to sketch coats of arms when I was 11 or 12 years old, so it wasn't hard for me to do. The story goes that during dinner, Ferry grabbed a napkin and sketched out the crest and showed it to Max, and the rest was history. Well, that's not quite how it happened, and is only just partially true. In fact, it's only a very small part of the story and doesn't quite paint the entire picture. The relationship between Portia and Max Hoffman was managed primarily by Albert Prinzing, an executive at Portia and a school friend of Ferry. Hoffman reached out to Prinzing with many, many ideas, such as the need for a two-liter engine, as well as many other things. Among those ideas came the discussion with Prinzing about the emblem. Professor Ferdinand Portia had died on January 30, 1951, and it was left to Ferry to deal with the company in the wake of his father's death. Having more to do than worry about an emblem, Ferry told the idea to modern art collector and friend Audemar Dominic. Now, incidentally, Dominic was a massive fan of Porsche and loved the new Type 356. There are some amazing pictures of him taking delivery of his 356 and sharing a bottle of champagne with the mechanics at Zuffenhausen. When hearing about the emblem, Dominic said, why not organize a competition to create a badge for the Porsche brand? So, in 1951, Audemars Dominic assembled professors of art, Ferry Porsche, Prinzing, and himself as judges for the competition. He then went to schools across Germany and enlisted their help in creating the crest for Porsche. Now, the prize money was to be 1,000 Deutschmarks for first, 500 for second, and 250 Deutschmarks for third. For a month, from April to May in 1951, the submissions were on display at Stuttgart State Gallery. So who won? Well, nobody. Even though the prize money was awarded, no one design captured the competition. Ferry then decided to take the project in-house, and he gave the task over to his advertising manager, Herman Lapper. Lapper then relied on the help of engineer Franz you know, I'm going to get this name wrong, but I'm going to try it anyway. Franz Reimspies, who had a passion for graphic design. Now, Reimspies had already created a badge for the KDF wagon, as well as the badge for Volkswagen. Wanting to honor the Porsche family, the idea was floated to use the Porsche family coat of arms. The only problem was that there wasn't one. So what to do? Reimspies decided on incorporating several elements honoring the wear with the who into the new badge. The three main pieces of the Porsche badge would ultimately use the red and black striped background with the gold and black deer antlers from the Württemberg Hohenzollern. Boy, that is a mouthful, so if I screw that up, my apologies. That's from their crest, which is the geographic area that Porsche was doing its manufacturing. The coat of arms of Stuttgart, which is the black horse on a yellow field, represents the stud farm that the city of Stuttgart now stands, as well as the Porsche name emblazoned across the top. Rhymespeech offered up many examples for Porsche, as well as many types for the satisfaction of the state. In fact, Porsche public relations assistant Thor Horning said that it may seem incredible 
that the use of the emblem of the former state of Württemberg in the planned badge gave all the participants one headache after another. In 1952, the available paper was not of outstanding quality. Printing also left a great deal to be desired. Moreover, another problem was the costly gold which the Swabians, otherwise known for their frugality, used in their coat of arms. But gold it had to be and had to remain. Problems continued with officials from Stuttgart and Baden-Württemberg because of the use of the coat of arms was conditioned upon a very precise reproduction. According to Carl Ludvigsen, the city and state were very quick to point out issues with the coat of arms and demand precision, and the suppliers needed to be reminded of that fact, so a lot of back-and-forth correspondence happened. Finally, in late 1952, the famous Porsche logo found a home on the center of the steering wheel of the 1953-356, and then eventually made its way to the front deck handle of the 1954-356. So where did the famous story of Ferry sketching the seal on a napkin actually come from? According to Ludvigsen, in December of 1951, Ferry and Max Hoffman were dining in New York when Max asked how the emblem was coming along. Rhymespeace team had been working on the badge for some months, so Ferry had a pretty good idea of what it would look like. That is when Ferry pulled out a napkin and sketched for a couple minutes, producing a likeness of the logo that was already in progress. And that, according to Carl Ludvigsen, is the true story of how the Porsche emblem was created. Well, maybe. I would love to see some of the original submissions for the logo in Dominic's collection. And in fact, in Ludvigsen's book, there are a couple of examples that he shares. I'll put them up here on our website at neversubstituted.com. One last thing, the first three listeners who emails me at will at neversubstituted.com and tells me that they shared our podcast with a friend, I will send them a Porsche Crest keyring. So please share, tell your friends and family. I also want to hear from you. I'm collecting Porsche stories for future podcasts and would love to hear how your love affair and passion for Porsche began. Please support our podcast by going to neversubstituted.com and check out our shop. There are also some links to some very cool stuff and a preview of next week's show. Special thanks to Dennis Schrader Photography in Austin, Texas. You can see some amazing automotive prints and artwork at fastlanephotoworks.com. Also, a lot of the information from this podcast is from Porsche. Excellence was expected by Carl Ludwigson. I'm Will Beach. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.